Hello, and I uh, welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, uh, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Stop by their Lower Main Street location to see what fresh in-house baked goods they're making in the kitchen. I'm managing editor Joe Abraham, and I am joined by a very special guest today, and Don Simpkin. Uh, I know Don because I am a fellow Rotarian. I'm in the Liberty Rotary Club, and Don is in uh, Livingston Manor Club, but is uh, once in a while graces us with his presence, which we enjoy. Uh, so, yeah. So, Don, you were a dentist in Sullivan County for many years. If you could kind of talk about that and get into our main topic of this podcast, which is your involvement in uh, with the uh, Olympic luge team in the uh, United States. Yes, I uh, came to Sullivan County in February of 1974 uh, as a dentist taking advantage of an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, I had two friends from school we were looking for something to do. We were both, we were all working some version of part-time as associates in offices around the metropolitan area. And we found by coincidence that two of us were working for the same guys uh, who had a practice in Monticello. Their Monticello partner wanted out they offered us a lease on their practice and then kind of the rest is history. Uh, we, three of us came up, uh, we took over the, the practice in Monticello. We eventually bought a satellite office in Livingston Manor. One went uh, off to graduate school. Uh, we took in associates uh, who represent a good, good, percentage of Sullivan County's dentists today. Dr. Gall, Dr. Burson, the uh, former practice of Dr. Garnett, uh, the former practice of Dr. Triola and myself. Still the presence of the offices of Simon, Simpkin and Garnett in Sullivan County. Mid eighties, I uh, decided to attend a sports medicine conference in Indianapolis. And at that point I had gotten hooked on the Olympics in general, having attended the winter games in our backyard in Lake Placid in 1980. And uh, four years later, former Yugoslavia it's in Sarajevo, it was really the last of the small time Winter Olympics. During that uh, conference, I met up with a dentist. Uh, his name was Dr. Kerr. He was the president of the American Dental Association uh, and on the USOC, United States Olympic Committee's Sports Medicine Committee. And I asked him how he got involved in that, because it seemed like a, you know, an interesting segue for someone who was involved in the medical field and uh, learning to love the Olympics at that time. He said uh, he gave me advice to write to the national governing bodies located in New York State and ask them if they needed any uh, consulting services uh, in dentistry. So I wrote 
to two out of the three that were headquartered in New York State at the time. The third was tennis, figuring tennis and mouth guards, it's not exactly a match, but uh, mouth guards and bobsled and Lou certainly did match up. And in, uh, I believe it was 1986, 1987, I started making both the bobsled team and the U.S. luge team. Uh, bobsled had uh, challenges during the 80s, uh, mostly with their finances. And around 1988, they, for a short period of time, actually moved their headquarters to Calgary, Canada, or their base of operations. So I kind of stuck with Luge, really developed a great relationship with the uh, executive staff, the coaching staff, and uh, ultimately the athletes. So what what exactly is it just make with mouth guards or do like if you're there, like, do they bring you in and you like if someone gets a tooth knocked out or you like on duty? Like, how does that work? Uh, no, it's mostly mouth guards. And I did evaluations, you know, examinations and evaluations to try to be proactive for on behalf of the athletes recognizing any potential problems so that they might get the care that they needed after the 88 Olympics. I. I did do a, really a full mouth reconstruction on a Bosnian luge athlete. Uh, she came to this country during the conflict. She had a friend in that was living in Warwick or Middletown, someplace down in Orange County. And she came up uh, pretty regularly till she got it all fixed up and she, gave me a Bosnian luge team t-shirt as uh, you know, an appreciation of what I did for her. I did a lot of work for her. She was a very lovely young woman and lost track of her over the years, but All right. how, many, how many different uh, work for coaches, you know, they, uh, once I became friendly with them, came down, but uh, from Lake Placid to Livingston Manor to have some treatment. Uh, but for the most part, um, for the team, it was mouth guards and trying to encourage the use of mouth guards. So how many, how many Olympic games have uh, you attended as, the, uh, as, as a mouth guard aficionado? <laughs> uh, well, I attended all the winter games until this recent uh, uh, the recent games in uh, in Beijing, so every Winter Olympics, and as you know, as a spectator and uh, a, a friend of the sport, maybe I would get uh, a set of tickets or uh, to luge as you know, just being involved with the sport. But over the years, I became an international official and. I was a master's athlete for maybe a dozen, 13, 14 years, and now find myself on the board of directors. So um, do you still do the mouth guard work? for? The no, I stopped doing that uh, a year or two before I retired, so probably 10 years. Okay, ago. well, we'll get back to the Olympic memories in a bit, but for you in the sport of luge, because um, you talked about being a master's athlete, I heard that, that you, you did 
give it a go for a while there. So tell us what, what did you, how did you sort of, did you have any luge experience prior to being introduced to it through this or like, uh, how no. did you, how did you, what made you want to like try that going fast on the, you know, the, all the way around the, the spirals and all kinds of stuff. It looked really cool. I saw it for the first time in Sarajevo, first time in person. Uh, and when I was kind of a newbie in making the math guards for the luge team, one of the coaches said, oh, you got to try it. And this was probably in 1988 or so. He got me on the track and his brief set of instructions you know you do this to turn right you do this to turn left go ahead have a good time and he pushed me off and I did not appreciate how subtle the movements had to be in order to affect the turns on the sled so I probably hit every possible thing I could hit uh every wall every <laughs> uh on one side um, I, I don't remember if it was my right side or my left side knowing that i'm going to be back next week and i'll be able to correct this so of course the following week i go back up to lake placid and hit everything on my left side that i could possibly hit and i said well you know i'm gonna be 40 um i'm glad i tried this i wish i did it when i was 12 and that was it now fast forward Maybe, let's say, I was so five and another, maybe 15 years. Uh, and my son uh, was about 10 and he, well, for years, when can I try it? When can I try it? When can I try it? And it was determined that he could try it when he's about 10. Really got, he got hooked on on uh, sliding and was evaluated in screening camps and did pretty well, but he was still a little young. And they recommended that he join the luge club, the Adirondack luge club. So I took him one night and I see that there are adults doing it. I said, you know, these guys could do it. I could, could certainly do it. So this was probably the end of the the sliding the club season we joined the luge club and uh the next year so i was probably 56 years old or 55 years old i went out and a different track they built a new track in that period of time uh and got a more detailed uh lesson <laughs> which involved don't move your head so much. Do this to steer right, do this to steer left. <laughs> now you go. But uh, started from a much lower point on the track and was able to pick it up. And I slid until uh, a few months after my 70th birthday. Joined the club. We took international trips, raced internationally, raced nationally. I won a few medals. Really, really enjoyed it. Sure. And didn't you get, I think, talking to one of our uh, mutual rotary friends, didn't you get injured doing it? Pretty uh, I did. I In the first uh, training session of this, the new season, I was on a borrowed sled 
And it wasn't set up quite the way I was used to. And first run, I crashed a little detail between curves 18 and 19. I didn't make the transition well, and I crashed in 19. Okay, I've done that before. Um, go back. The second run, I had an awful start. And uh, same thing, crashed in the same exact spot. All right, the third one, this is going to be it now. I got this down, and I had a great start. I'm going really good, and I knew what I had to do, but I just couldn't do it on that sled, and I really crashed it. Uh, the same exact spot where I came off the sled. I hit hit the wall, came off the sled, and I got got up. I felt that I hurt myself, but I didn't think it was as bad as it was. I sat up on the wall, which is what you had to do because the sled goes out, but it'll come back at you. Because uh, this was at the bottom of the track, it was the uphill portion of the track, the sled slid up, I waited for it to come back. And during that time, the uh, EMT uh, shows up, and we walked off, went to, uh, went to get examined, and I took off my training suit. She goes, oh, looks like you have two softballs coming out of your back. Went to Saranac Lake to the hospital, got some uh, x-rays, and look, you got to go for a scan. Got into the ambulance. Uh, we went to Burlington, Vermont across Lake Champlain in the ambulance and found out that I fractured uh, vertebrae. And then just for, for all the listeners, and then you did this again after you. Oh, no, no, no. That, <laughs> that was it. That was, the... that, that was it. No, so no. that was, so that was at age 70, you said? Or at age 70. Wow. Yeah. wow that I, I still take, uh, as we call the mind runs. Uh, and I, I do make that transition between 18 and 19 much better in my head than I did in person. But uh, that, that was the spot that never really gave me a lot of trouble. You know, everybody crashes everywhere, but it wasn't one of the typical spots where I've had trouble in the past. But. Sure. So I guess reflecting back on the Olympic stuff, uh, I guess give me kind of your top two to three memories from your Olympic trips. Uh, well, I could say Sarajevo was a, just an amazing experience. It was a real trans, a country in transition at the time. There wasn't conflict. People were getting along at that time, but it was, I don't like to use the word third world, but it certainly wasn't what we were used to in the United States, but they were emerging, you know? So they built a holiday in for the, uh, for the Olympics. And it was a real modern building in a, in a place that had a lot of vestiges of the Ottoman empire, beautiful city, Sarajevo, um, uh, mosques and domed buildings, really, really uh, cool. At that time, uh, 1984, what is 
quite often referred to as the first rap song. Uh, Rapper's Delight with the words hotel, motel, holiday inn. If your girl gives you trouble, then you take her friend. Every time we drove by the Holiday Inn in Sarajevo, we would sing that and the cab drivers would just... <laughs> and they all claim to be millionaires though, uh, because the... Uh, Currency <laughs> was so inflated that a cab ride could have been 10,000 dinars. <laughs> All the cab drivers were millionaires. And, and so, and what's another, um, I guess, interesting, a little uh, bit of Go back to our rotary connection, uh, Nagano. Nagano was probably uh, equally as memorable. I wrote to the Rotary Club in Nagano asking if they could help me find accommodations for my uh, visit there. Not only did they uh, help me, they took care of, they comped me in the parlance. Beautiful house that could never be sold because the ancestor of the owner passed away in the house and that was, bad juju in uh, Japanese culture. So uh, it was always a place that was kind of sitting around and the owners would, you know, use it, their family would come and stay, but they were, they had moved to a a different house. Uh, It was located so perfectly. And because Rotarians felt that we, we uh, Americans could never be Japanese, never quite grasp the country, uh, the culture. Um, they, they assigned two of their members as our guides and hosts. One was the man who, the member who uh, found the house. He was a dentist and it was his patients on the house. And the other was the club secretary who got the letter that I sent. And it turned out that his son slid doubles for the Japanese luge team. So that combination of of the professions of the Rotarians and the interests of the Rotarians was like perfect. And I've remained friends with these two families you know, since uh, 1996, we've traveled together. We visited each other here, there, Hawaii. We met up in Hawaii one time. We the, took a trip through the Panama Canal with them. And it, was, it was fabulous. Great, great, great people. And those two guys were not friends until uh, my wife and I kind of became their you know intermediary and you know we they hung out to get together by because their club made them <laughs> uh, they found out they had a lot in common and since become- yeah you're you're uh, like the cupid of friendships but uh yeah so it was it was neat and yeah so i was going to say as far as um i guess my last question uh for you to maybe share with people is you know when you look at American sports culture, 
unless you watch the Olympics very thoroughly, you're not really seeing luge competitions on like ESPN or FS1 or anything like that. But it's on the Olympic channel, but you got to search. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, what, what do you enjoy the most about the sport as someone who has seen it up close, spectated, but also has done it. Uh, and then I guess, what would you, I guess if people around here to the best of your knowledge, Sullivan County or whoever listens to this has an interest in a loose team, where do you get involved or, or do that? Well, uh, the Adirondack loose club, is the place to start it's headquartered in Lake Placid of course in the last two years track time has been severely limited because of COVID and staffing issues at the track you know that it has a the COVID and you know the ripples of COVID have affected the sport certainly here in North America but you can go and watch the national teams practice when they're in Lake Placid. If you go happen, uh, if you happen to go to um, Park City to go skiing, the other American track is in Park City and you can watch. Uh, and quite often uh, you could have the opportunity to even try it both in Lake Placid and in Park City. The, it's kind of regulated. You have to sign up. You have to, you know, make the connection. You can't just, I'm going to try lose today uh, in most cases. But uh, there are uh, opportunities available. Uh, there are two smaller tracks in the state of Michigan. Uh, so if you find yourself in the upper peninsula, there are opportunities to, to try it. And um, in the summers in Lake Placid, we have, uh, the club has some wheels clinics. So you learn how to steer a sled and st that has uh, rollerblade wheels on it instead of uh, uh, steels on the, on the coofins. Uh, so you learn how to handle the sled. And what do you, and then, to the first part of that question, what what is it that you found to be the most enjoyable thing about the sport? The most enjoyable thing for me has been the relationship with the people. The dedication that you see in these athletes and their coaches is ad very, very admirable. And because it's what used to be referred to in the Olympic com community as an orphan sport, it's not like skiing or gymnastics or swimming where uh, great numbers of people are exposed to it and have the opportunities in school and growing up to do it. The community is pretty tight. You know everybody who's doing it. And, you know, if you're an, adre an, an adrenaline junkie, <laughs> you kind of make it with these people. While they may have different professional backgrounds all over the map, uh, that need for speed is, is definitely a common denominator. I used to say, if you like to go fast, try luge. You, you don't have to worry about the other guy on the ski slopes. Of course, you have to worry about the walls, but uh, they're not deliberately out of control. Sure. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, once again, this oh, is Sullivan. My pleasure. The Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. Uh, Brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and looking forward to when you come back to the East Coast for uh, yeah, I'll be back. Time.
I'll be back soon.